the ground. Poor girl, poor girl, her head was never found. Scott Jackson had a pregnant girlfriend, Pearl Bryan was her name. He and Alonzo Walling met her at the train. That night a plot unfolded, poor Pearl lost her life. Scott and Alonzo both hung for that cry. Ghoulish day to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes you just heard are, of course, courtesy of the awesome Bobby Mackey. And as always, I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. Today, we head over to the United Kingdom and straight into North Wales Hospital, but better known as Denby Insane Asylum, a home for the mentally ill, the first of its kind in Wales. Now, in certain parts of the UK, the Welsh were in English-speaking asylums. If you think life is bad in one of these places, you're right. It's horrible. But imagine if there was a communication barrier, and there was no way to understand what was being said to you, and when you spoke, no one understood you. What a nightmare. What an absolute mess. A Horton Road Hospital doctor named Samuel Hitch he was very saddened and angered that this was a regular occurrence. So in 1842, he pens a letter to the Times, quote, So few of the lower class of the Welsh, except in some towns or the precincts of the inns, speak English, and this only for the purpose of commerce or to qualify themselves for duties of menial servants, and not to an extent which would enable them to comprehend anything higher. Whilst both the officers and servants of our English-speaking asylums and the English public too, and equally ignorant of the Welsh language, that when the poor Welshman is sent to an English asylum, he is submitted to the most refined modern cruelties, being doomed to an imprisonment amongst strange people, and an association with his fellow men, whom he is prohibited from holding conversations." harassed by wants which he cannot make known, and appealed to by sounds which he cannot comprehend. And he becomes irritable and irritated, and it is proverbial in our English asylum that the Welshman is the most turbulent patient wherever he happens to become an inmate. With this letter came hope for a better tomorrow. And a discussion was held to build an asylum right here in Wales. Construction starts in 1844, and it was finally complete in 1848. Here is a fun, interesting fact that the building was constructed partly from the stone from the original Denby Castle after it was blown to pieces by Oliver Cromwell during the Civil War. Queen Victoria and Prince Albert even donate for this asylum to be built. It eventually shuts down not too terribly long ago, just back in 1995. During its 147-year reign, we see, as we often do with asylums, major overcrowding. Denby was originally built to hold mm, 200 people. Back then, when you can be committed for the simplest of offenses, reading a book, masturbation, riding a horse backwards, those suffering from epilepsy, and the list goes on. And I mean, seriously, it goes on and on and on. I don't remember which location I was at. I believe maybe it was in Jerome Grand Hotel in Arizona. 
I saw a list that made me laugh, but also was quite sad as these were legit reasons your new home could be a lunatic asylum. I just want to read some of these. I'm sure we are all guilty of one or more. So you could find yourself in asylum if you had business trouble, if you were kicked in the head by a horse, if you fell from a horse while in war, ill treatment by husband, imaginary female trouble, (laughs) death of sons in war, exposure as an officer, grief, hard studying, bad whiskey, business nerves, Salvation Army, whatever the hell that means. Like, were you part of it? Were you supporting it? The war, time of life, fighting fires, laziness. If you were a superstitious person, smallpox. Like, literally, I'm sure if one sneezed too loud, you could be committed. And in many places, all that was needed was two simple signatures. Basically, anything you did could land you in a lunatic asylum. So it's no shock that these establishments were severely overcrowded. This became a huge problem. They didn't have the space nor the proper amount of staff to accommodate such large masses of patients. They add on to the asylum and soon they have 1,500 people here, not including staff. They were moving beds in the hallways to make more room. Beds were so close to each other that the patients had to get out from the foot of the bed. Some were even sleeping on the filthy floor. Now, unfortunately, due to this issue of overcrowding, many patients were transferred to other asylums. So now we see the Welsh being sent back to the English-speaking asylums right back into no-communication land. One of the main reasons why they built Denby in the first place. This location had everything you could think of, so it was basically self-sufficient. In 1853, gas works were built in to replace candle and oil lighting. They had a water supply coming from a private lake. They had their own power station for electricity. They had farms for food. First ever cows were brought back in 1851. They even had a slaughterhouse, linen stores, They had shoemakers, a bakery, and a brewery were built in 1868, a location to do your laundry. They had tailors and joiners and just so much more. The list keeps going. And these were all ran by the patients. When the asylum first opened its doors, there were no guards between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. That's kind of a huge chunk of time. A lot of shit could go down and happen, and it did. Many times they would come back in the morning hours to find patients who have either committed suicide or died due to having an epileptic seizure or some other kind of health issue. Finally, after 12 long years, they finally jumped on board the night shift train. The escape risk patients, they were employed at the water pumps, which was quite a genius plan because it was an area that was monitored 24-7 and kept them busy as it was hand-operated. Hey, we would need to have a water supply up and running. They needed to keep working to keep it up. So kind of a brilliant plan. Now, this doesn't last the whole time that Denby is open. Eventually, a Steam engine takes over in 1857, and I'm sure much to the patient's delight and the guard's dismay. In 1895, Denby got the okay 
to add on, and add on they did. New buildings included a female ward. They had a male and female attention block that housed 30 each. It also included a recreation slash dining hall, bathrooms, a boiler house, and even a hospital. They basically had everything there except for one thing. For a place that saw a lot of death, they didn't actually get their mortuary built until 1929. And this was eventually built onto the isolation hospital. In the late 1930s, we once again see the overcrowded problem. They had 260 more people than they were equipped to have. And with overcrowding came major problems. They had huge outbreaks of typhoid, tuberculosis, dysentery, and influenza. And this killed well over 100 people. When I hear asylum, I think despair, depression. Someone who was probably in good health when they got there, but, you know, they are away from their family and any other familiar and friendly faces, surrounded by screams, cries, unruly fits, temper tantrums, till they themselves finally go insane. I found one account of a young man, a patient named Samuel Perry, and here's what a medical practitioner says about Samuel. He is much depressed and cries almost continuously. He was crying when I visited him today and also yesterday. When he was asked what he was crying for, he gave a very silly and incoherent answer. Something about buying a penny paper and he had not paid for it. All his conversation is quite incoherent. Now, Samuel was only 19 years old when he was committed back in 1896. Again, I can't even imagine being in one of these locations. I mean, yes, I have investigated the hell out of an asylum, and I love going to them, but actually being here against your will, not allowed to leave, calling this place your home when it couldn't be anything near or close to what you would consider a home, I just can't even imagine. Then my mind starts to wander over to the supposed treatments. And when I say treatments, I'm using that word quite loosely, as I think most of these treatments did a lot more damage than it did good. Lobotomies? They were the norm here, my friends. When I think of lobotomies, I instantly think, like most of you, Ouch. They may have helped some people, but for the most part, I think that lobotomies did a hell of a lot of damage. I mean, think of JFK, his sister Rosemary Kennedy. She underwent a lobotomy back in the early 1940s, and it left her incapacitated for the rest of her life. She had to stay in an institute for her remaining days, years, whatever. Tennessee Williams, his sister Rose, she received a lobotomy and she too was incapacitated for the rest of her life. My cat seems to find this very disturbing as well. Now, in episode number 112, titled Recoleta Cemetery, A Haunting Look into Buenos Aires' First Cemetery, I talk about Eva Perón and her traveling corpse. Well, in the last few months of her life, she had a lobotomy in hopes that she would be treated from her pain and her anxiety. Did not help, obviously. Many saw it more as torture than treatment. In addition to lobotomies here, they also had electroshock therapy, Turkish baths that was thought to help cure body odor, and even bloodletting. 
One thing that I thought was kind of neat was that in 1937, occupational therapy is introduced. The patients there working at these locations that are on site, they're making camouflage huts, sandbags, and so much more for the subsequent war effort. Online, I found somebody who had been here long since it's been abandoned, and they described the scene. The air was stale and musky. The floor, well, it was rotting and falling apart, making it quite unsafe to walk on properly. The floor was littered with debris, and there's quite a bit of graffiti covering the walls, overall making the appearance a lot worse than it should have been. To my knowledge, this location is now privately owned and there's a strict no trespassing law that is enforced. I did see somewhere that there were works of actually becoming a location where people could go to like adding a restaurant, a gym, stores, but due to what we know as COVID, oh, so sick to death of it, it was halted. They stopped construction, renovation, res restoration, whatever they were doing, they stopped. And so who knows if that will actually come back to it. <coughs> All right, now we go to the haunts, my favorite part. One girl went to investigate with some of her friends, and I guess exploring is more an appropriate word. And upon looking at her pictures, there's one that shows a long, dark hallway. And off to the right, well, there's an apparition looking to be that of a man. Many believe this to be the asylum's former caretaker. Many people have seen this man's apparition throughout the years. Besides capturing this full-bodied apparition on camera, the group of friends also experienced cold spots, loud, unexplained sounds like banging, and unexplainable voices. Quote, when we were in there, it was terrifying. Doors were shutting behind us, and there was continual banging. When I started taking photographs, I could see orbs and mist covering up my screen as though the ghost was getting in the photo. Now, this woman, she admits that after she saw the mist, she had quite enough. It was time for them to leave. So she kind of panics and she starts running out of the asylum and they could hear the voices surrounding them. Even when they went outside of the asylum, the voices were still right there. Just these weird, unexplainable, disembodied voices as if they were just being followed. Maybe it really is the former caretaker escorting people who shouldn't have been there right off of the property. Seems like he got his point through to them as they left. Job complete. And the caretaker, well, he's not alone. Throughout the years, people, they have seen apparitions of patients wandering aimlessly through the corridors. Loud bang sounds. Also, footsteps have been heard as well. Now, when it comes to the bang-like sound, somebody was actually here, and they did what I would have done. They searched for the sound. Where is it coming from? What is making that sound? Can it be debunked? And in this one case of the banking, yes, it was able to be debunked, as this person found an old window that was banging in the wind. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that every single time someone hears those kind of sounds that it's a window, but, you know, it's just that's a very important example of, okay, not everything is paranormal or supernatural. Now, 
while in one room this person was recording and after going home and watching the video, they hear an unexplained sound, a sound that they did not hear with their own ears. It was not all fun and investigating. One of the people actually fell through a small hole in the floor and they got lost in the maze of corridors. They asked if there was any spirits there, if they could make a sound, and their recorder caught two taps. Well, a few minutes goes by and they ask the same question. Can you please make a sound if you're here? And a faint tap is heard. They also kept seeing doors slamming shut on their own. In addition to the caretaker and former patients, in the infirmary, people have seen the apparitions of two elderly ladies. In the morgue, there's a matron and a lab assistant that wander about. And in the treatment ward, screams can be heard. People have also caught figures and apparitions looking at them through windows. Not only have they seen it with their own eyes, but they have caught this on camera and video as well. While here, people have heard screams, laughter, experiencing cold spots, and so much more. Back in 2008, the TV show Most Haunted visits, and they dubbed the location Village of the Damned. And they say that it is cursed by witches. Well, now this obviously stirred shit up with town counselors and the mental health charity. They were here for seven nights, and I guess their investigation ended with a full-blown exorcism. Now, before they were there and mentioned the whole witch thing, there was no word of witches in this area, on this location anyways, before. Who knows if that's accurate? Through all my research, I wasn't able to dig up anything that talked about witches besides this show, Most Haunted. I never saw the episode, so I can't honestly say how they came up with the whole witch thing. But, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Earlier, I had mentioned Denby Castle and thought that I would just take a minute to talk about a tiny bit of the history and the hauntings. This castle was built in 1282. That's 700 years before I was born. Got a 1982 baby here. So there's a medieval town wall that surrounds the castle. Goblin Tower sits along the perimeter. It contains a deep, dark well. Story goes that a mother was holding her child and was looking down the well when she suddenly loses her grip and the baby falls into the well. People report hearing a woman screaming, followed by a baby crying. Denby Castle is believed to be one of the most haunted castles in North Wales. Centuries of ghost stories are connected to this location. People who have come here have experienced hearing odd sounds and disembodied voices, getting goosebumps, experiencing cold spots, seeing apparitions and ghostly faces, seeing balls of light and shadow figures, eerie mists, and other types of manifestations. The Goblin Tower sounds like that would be a cool movie, right? Like The Goblin Tower, beware, ooh, is extremely active. Another death is linked here. It's believed that the son of the man who built the castle fell to his death in the Goblin Tower. And to this very day, people claim to see the face of a young man sadly looking out one of the stone windows of this tower. Many people believe this to be him. A lady in white is also seen in the area. 
often gliding through the Goblin Tower and along its pathways. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Well, no need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of those awesome kick-ass podcast platforms such as Deezer, Owl Tell, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Player FM. Wherever you may roam to listen to your other spectacular podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shout-outs go to Columbine, Colorado, Finefli, Wales, Festus, Missouri, Danville, Virginia, and Bristol, Oklahoma. Thank you so much. As always, it is extremely appreciated. Every single one of you taking time out of your day, night, morning, whenever you listen and wherever you're listening from, it's greatly appreciated. Want to be a voiceover in a future episode? Maybe you have a recommendation of a haunting, a cursed object, a local myth or legend, maybe some crazy, bizarre person. Hit me up. I would love to hear about it. I'm all about suggestions and recommendations. Hit me up at paraprowl at gmail.com. Or you can come visit me at Paranormal Prowlers Podcast on Facebook. And now we'll end with some awesome Welsh music. We will see you next week.